And I kind of think, well, if you said Kyo fell on his wave, I think you've got to say Kelly falls on his wave. But like I said, watching it live, I actually didn't have a problem with it. But that could be goat froth as well. So I don't know. It's a tough one. Welcome back to the Stab Cusp. That is the currently untitled surf podcast. Uh, I'm here reporting with my co-host, Stace Galbraith, and we're going to be breaking down the end of the Portugal event, which, um, yeah, a lot of big things happened as they did in the first two events of the CT season. So got a lot of things to talk about from uh, Griffin Colpinto winning his first CT, Kano Igarashi going to world number one, and a lot of other crazy things that happened. So uh, Stace, where do you want to start? Well, uh, firstly, I'd like to thank uh, your fellow co-host, Mr. Jimmy Jimmy Kane Wilson, for stepping in last week. Uh, it was and is still a um, look. It's a pretty fucked up situation that's uh, occurring here at the moment on the southeast Queensland, northern New South Wales border. And as recently as today, Sydney just copped an absolute flogging. Uh, people missing in the southwest of Sydney and uh, the Narrabeen. River was running, sorry, the lake broke out into the ocean, it's running like never before and people had to evacuate there. So it's um, unfortunately a bit of a shit time uh, on the east coast of Australia at the moment. But it's uh, it's a funny world we live in with the atrocities that are occurring and the, and the damage that's been done. The, the community spirit has been um, next level, never seen anything like it in my life. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it's the only thing that's keeping the chins up at the moment because um yeah it's no joke the devastation's real uh and you know even within the stab office here in byron like crew people thought they were going to die and people did die like it was next next level so um the cleanup's underway now um you know i could rattle off a few names but i won't but pretty much there's crew in the community i think that they always are doing good things, um, particularly abroad. But with this happening in our own backyard, you know, you start to see who real leaders are. And um, I'm fortunate enough to call a few of those people friends. And it's been fucking mind blowing to see what people are capable of doing when everyone comes together. So if anyone out there that's listening and around the Lismore region and the greater northern New South Wales region, I hope everyone's doing all right. And um, yeah. We'll get through it. Yeah, so Stacey, you're obviously out last week as a result of those floods. Um, and yeah, it sounds like you guys are obviously going through like a really tough time right now. So my thoughts are with you. And I hope that you and your family and, and all your friends are doing well as well. So on that point, that is why we had Jimmy Wilson in last week. And uh, he made some pretty incredible picks. He picked the female winner, Tatiana Weston-Webb. And he didn't technically pick Griffin as his winner, but I think you could argue that he instigated Griffin into a win. Um, but, well, you can just listen to the clip. What's up with Griffin? I'm kind of interested to see if he can switch something in his mind to allow him to, like, unlock. He looks like he's gripping a bit. So maybe this, this event will do that for him, being a beach break and letting him get a lot of opportunities. Or maybe he gets caught in a rip and we don't even see him. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I just, I'm disappointed in Griffin right now. Yeah, so well done, Jimmy. Um, I think you should probably ask Griffin for maybe like 10% of the winnings from this event, which maybe like 7,000 or 8,000, if I remember correctly. Um, and anyway, we'll have to have him back on to see if he can keep that pick streak alive. 
But for now, Stacy, uh, let's talk about this event. We didn't get to discuss any of it in the pre, and we haven't discussed any of it uh, since it ended. So what were some of the big things that stood out to you? Well, the first thing that stands out to me is that I, I do the same thing every year. I, I get ready to watch Europe. It's night time. It's a good time zone for Australians, you know, putting children to bed or making dinner and whatever, and you want to post up and watch surfing. But bloody Europe and they're on holds with the tides are absolutely crippling. So at 9pm when they go on hold for two hours, you're just going, oh my God, they've done it to me again. So that was the first thing I thought about that event. Uh, always forget the challenge with the tide in Europe. But once I got over that and I got to tuck into the final day, which was nice and short and punchy, uh, I was just so over the moon to see Griffin uh, do so well. Um, when I saw the conditions were small on finals day, I was thinking, oh, he's going to have a hard run. I, I thought he'd pr- take care of John. It looked very much like T Street out there, and um, I thought that he would make light work of John, which, um, which he did. But the final was either going to be against Philippe or Italo, and I think he needed to surf a perfect heat and I think he did it, his performance was um you know unbelievable I think to win these things you've got to do a bit of everything you need a little bit of luck you need to quite often do outstanding surfing and then sometimes just a couple of backhand rios but it's knowing when to pull out which card and I think Griffin in the final um you know Jake Patterson and then more recently Tom Whitaker have been coaching Griffin and I think that their styles really shone in that final. Griffin was on the two best waves. He kept his feet and he did the surfing that was required to win the final. So, yeah, well done, Griffin. And the first Californian, I think, since Bobby Martinez to win a CT. So go California. Go California. And I would be remiss not to bring up the fact that the final was decided by mere tenths of a point. Did you think that the judges got it right? Look... What I'll say is the judges are consistent. Um, They do like to see the better waves being ridden as much as they'll tell you otherwise. And Griffin rode the better waves in that final. Uh, It was literally a flip of a coin. Um, I would say Philippe probably did more dynamic surfing on one of his waves, but it was half the size and it had foam all across the face and it was just a hard wave to surf. And I think that's where the argument in surfing um it'll never end you know we could argue it till the cows come home um better surfing smaller wave bigger wave bigger critical sections maybe not as critical surfing um look you could debate that one forever and if you had money on that you'd be you'd be gutted (laughs) (laughs) well that actually segues nicely into another aspect of this event uh in terms of the judges being consistent and there was one wave that happened in this event that it got a very big score. I believe it was an eight. And it's questionable to me whether or not it should have counted. And what I mean by, or what I'm referring to, is the barrel that Kelly Slater got in his heat against Kylie Belly. Here goes Kelly. He makes it. Uh, and then no, the lip lands on his head. Again, question mark. He got it kind of under priority, like he was in the non-priority heat, and one of the heats in the priority heat was having a sniff at it, decided not to go. Kelly went last second, backdoored this right, went through a chandelier, came out of the end of the barrel, but then got smoked by the oncoming section, which you could argue was really the doggy door, and didn't ride out of it. And um, we've seen plenty of times in recent history where a surfer emerges from the barrel, is fully visible, 
but gets hit by an oncoming section and that barrel doesn't count. In this case it did and it sealed Kaio's fate. What's your call, make or no? When I watched that wave live, I thought every day of the week, that's a make, no, no problem. Then you sent me an angle of down the beach and Kelly looks intent on getting more barreled. So to me, if you're still trying to pull in and then you realize it's not possible and then you pull out the doggy door, like you said, it's definitely not a make. So I really think it's up to it's up to the angle you watch it from. So I might try and get some sort of split screen done up for us to post and we can we can have a bit of a vote. But that was a tricky one. I think that if you're counting that as a make, Kyo got a wave in that heat where he had a nice tube and a big end section closeout. I think that came in a little light on. So I'm thinking they probably said that Kyo fell. And I kind of think, well, if you said Kyo fell on his wave, I think you've got to say Kelly falls on his wave. But like I said, watching it live, I actually didn't have a problem with it. But that could be goat froth as well. So I don't know. It's a tough one. Okay, so on the point of Kelly, um, another interesting fact is that he didn't even make the quarterfinals, and yet he jumped from fourth in the world to second in the world, which to me is indicative of nothing other than this year is really weird, and there's like so many names that are shifting up and down because of you know the the winners and the losers, and it's been all out of sorts. Um, but it it brought me to an interesting question, which was posed to myself. Ryan Miller, Jake Patterson, and Lisa Anderson last week, this is pre-Portugal, mind you, that is Kelly Slater going to be in the lowers event? And all three of them said yes. I said no. And remind you, this is coming from, like, a super Kelly fan, obviously. Am I off my head? Like, is he? does he actually have a shot to be in lowers, do you think? Like, or are they just kind of being nostalgic and two bald guys really love the other bald guy? No, all that says to me is that you are the biggest fan of Kelly out of all those people you just named because you're the one who's being the most critical on him. And that's how fanship and fanfare works. You're overly critical of your horse because deep down you want it to happen, but you're just selling yourself short just to give yourself a little safety net. So it's kind of like a reverse psychology thing. You've said no, but deep down you really do want it to happen, but you've said no to make it kind of even out, if that makes sense. So I think you're off your head. And um, I like that you said no, because it actually gave some different opinion to the article. But I know deep down you're lying. And I think if you look at his run home, his run home is really good. G-Land Chopes, he needs to final in those two events, which he most likely could, given how well he's surfing and how clever and, and in, in, you know, in sync with heat surfing he is at the moment. He's... He's every chance to make the top five. And the best thing about this year so far, and this is where the top five for the men and the women is brilliant because it's going to be an absolute mixed bag. No one is running away with it yet. This time last year, Gabriel had basically won the title. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, well, I love the psychoanalyzation, by the way, of myself. I didn't even know that about myself, but now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. I think um, I think as a... As a junior fan slash judge, I was always, um, you know, way more critical of my friends in heats than I was uh, of their opponents. And then they would check the scores and go, fuck you, what are you doing to me? But yeah, getting back to Kelly and and his magic or or lack thereof, actually, there was a really, really cool quote with uh, Stephen Bell, aka Belly, uh, during one of Kelly's heats that I thought was just classic, classic kind of Aussie don't put your head too far above your shoulders. And I think that's, that's what every, 
every person needs every now and again in their life. But uh, Belly's the, the master of it, and um, he was he was asked the question, you know, does Kelly have any magic? And, and he just simply said. No magic with Kelly. He gets up in the morning and puts one leg in one side of the trousers and one leg in the other one, just like everyone else. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> but he's like, he's pissed off about it though. Like he's like, this, this, I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah, yeah. Someone should put my trousers on for me. Um, but yeah, no, he's. Um, I think you know Kelly's classic for saying he never had a coach and and all this whatever. But it, it, coach is a funny word. He, he had great support, and Belly is is one of those people, no doubt that, uh, that that helped Kelly a lot with his career. Which I'm sure Kelly acknowledges that, but he just doesn't give him the word coach, and that's that's fine by me. I think someone like Belly probably did a lot more than just coach. You know, when you're dealing with someone, particularly Slater's fame in the early 2000s and stuff like that, it would have been less about the surfing and more just about, you know, day-to-day life and keeping him focused. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, pretty unique relationship they've got. I'd love, I'd love Belly to write a book one day. Yeah, it must have been tough for Belly having to let Kelly beat him in golf all those years. <laughs> Not in, cri- not in cricket, though. Belly whoop his ass. All right, so you were texting me throughout the event talking about some of these post-heat interviews that really stood out to you. Um, yeah, which are, which are those? Give me, some, give me some more details. Oh, well, I think there was a really funny one from Griffin uh, in, after he won round, his round three heat, and he's obviously had a pretty rough year, um, so we'll have a listen to it. Yeah, this, this time of year, the first two events, I didn't do very good, so this is an important one for me, and... I'm not putting pressure on myself, you know, no matter what happens in my life, like, I'll be happy. Even if I had to go back and grind it out on the challengers, it's all good. I'm still doing what I love with my friends, so, uh, yeah, it's all good. You're currently on 27th. Um, what kind of results are you looking for here at Super Tugos? Um, you know, I want to win, yeah. <laughs> you to sell himself of course, on it. guys. It's obvious. So, yeah, it was that, for me, was a really interesting interview, giving... Griffin's insights to how his year's going and that he was happy and content with whatever life throws at him to be back on the QE, if that's what would happen to him after the end of these first five events. He's obviously started with two equal 17ths, which is not going to keep you on tour. One more 17th and you're kind of toast. So this is the event for him that he really needed to step up and a semi or better would have been you know, minimum for him to, to really start to feel comfortable moving into to Bells and, and Margaret River before that mid-year cut looms. And I just thought to myself, ah, oh, he's such a unique character, the way he frames that up and just how genuinely content he seems with himself no matter what. And, um, yeah, I don't think I would want to see anyone less on the QE than Griffin. He, he belongs on the well, CT. You can do both. Too. I mean, he won the US Open last year, right? Like, and, you know, he... he... I think him and Kanoa are probably the two surfers who feel like they could probably surf three Challenger Series events and still qualify. You know what I mean? Like, they are so good on that tour in particular. So, yeah, I I love the fact that he was in that mindset, and that's probably what allowed him to surf so freely, like getting that 10 in Portugal, you know what I mean, against his best friend and, and ultimately end up with his first win, which, again, like, just... That's so huge. Like, congratulations, Griffin. Yeah, it's amazing. I guess what I should say is that I believe he could be winning world titles and you cannot win world titles on the QE. So I'm fucking stoked he won a comp because I don't want to see him surfing on the QE. I mean, he's like, you watch his surfing at lowers and I said this about Kanoa in a previous podcast, but 
Griffin could have a legitimate shot at lowers regardless of who's in that event. I agree. I completely agree. You see it. He, the kid's had multiple tens in his career, and it's what you would need to um, be the champion that day. Not necessarily a 10, but that spontaneous ability to just surf purely instinctively, and that's how you overcome those, you know, more often than not, you're not going to beat Philippe Toledo with 12 points on a beach break. And that happened for Griffin the other day, and I'm stoked it played out like that because, like I said, um, you know, he played the perfect heat for what was given to him. But in general, in a best-of-three scenario, you, you need to have that X factor, and Griffin most definitely has that. So I agree. I think he could do huge things at lowers if he can, if he can keep that charge up the rankings yeah. going. So speaking of Felipe, I think there was one of his interviews that you really liked, or at least what you understood of it. Yeah, well, if you can understand Portuguese, we'll give it a listen. Ah, é saber administrar nessa situação realmente é complicado. Quem tem filho sabe ficar como é ficar longe. Mas é serve de combustível para gente, né? Então acho que a gente já tá longe e a gente ficar mais triste por conta disso só vai piorar nossa situação. Então acho que se a gente usar isso de combustível Acho que leva a gente um pouco mais longe e graças a Deus viva a internet. Hoje em dia a gente tem né, o FaceTime, o WhatsApp, que a gente consegue ver eles e estar tá presente da mesma forma. Mas é isso, fazer o trabalho aqui e voltar para casa, para a família. E a razão por que eu amo essa entrevista é que um amigo meu, que é bastante switchado, quando eu ganhei um trabalho com o Tour last year, ele disse: Hey, você precisa estar perguntando os brasileiros, e isso vem de um australiano, ele disse: Você precisa estar perguntando os brasileiros perguntas em português e deixar eles responder em português. And, and let that live, let that be. And I, I was not confident enough to do it. Um, I can order an acai bowl and a beer and some rice and beans in Brazil, but not much more. So I wasn't prepared to do that. But to have a Portuguese speaking um, commentator and then obviously the best surface in the world, a Brazilian at the moment, right? Uh, barring one or two others. They've been dominating the sport for the better part of the decade. It was just cool to see them answer in their natural tongue and not have to be... Um, I don't know. It just it not have to be kind of sketching their way through broken English and, and whatnot. Obviously, Philippe's English is amazing, but yeah, it was cool just to see them um, talking casually in their native tongue. I think they deserve it. Yeah, well, if you look at the freaking scoreboard on this event, uh, since 2015, it's been won by four Brazilians um, in whatever that is, six years. Um, so there has to be, I mean, obviously they're also, like you said, the best surfers in the world, and this wave probably does suit their abilities, but there still has to be some aspect of, like, they feel more at home in a place where their language is the native tongue, right? Like, it's just a comfort and a familiarity. 100%, and I think that's the, the art to traveling on the road is, is making yourself feel as comfortable in as many locations as possible, and there's no doubt they feel comfortable eating sardines on toast in the beautiful town of, uh, of Paniche. Hey, you've got a new guy on the scene. Talk to me about uh, young Billy Wilson. Oh, Billy. Yeah, so I had never heard of Billy before, but we knew that we needed to have the contest covered on a day-to-day basis, and we knew that nobody in Australia could do it. We knew that nobody in the U.S. could do it just on account of the, the time zone. So we reached out to our old pal, Paul Evans, who is a Stab Premium writer, and um, he, of course, couldn't do it himself because he was commentating the event, which congrats on that, Paul. You did a great job. And, uh, yeah, he basically told us that, oh, you got to use this kid, Billy. He's amazing. Like the, and, and Paul is one of my favorite writers for sure on Stab. 
And um, yeah, there was no like equivocating. It was like, no, Billy's the guy. You got to use Billy. And uh, wow, did Billy deliver day after day, just absolute searing, hilarious commentary about all things professional surfing. And I mean, yeah, to me, that was like, you know, we do comp wraps all year long and we do them well and we do them okay. And every once in a while we do them really well, but these were exceptional in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. I had a, a great time reading his comp wrap-ups. Um, I'd click on them straight away when they popped up on my Instagram. Uh, so where's he from? Actually, it's one of those things where I kind of want to know more about him, but I also don't because I don't want it to ruin what I've got in my mind. But I think maybe for the greater good, what do you know about him? <laughs> yeah, I, I know nothing about him. I know oh, The only thing I know is that he's a palmy. He's from England. And other than that, I don't know how old he is. Don't know if he has ever surfed before. All I know is that he understands this world better than a lot of people. And like, I I got to a point where I would rather read his reviews than go back and watch it myself because I was missing most of the event anyway, just on the hours. And I was like, do I really need to go watch this, or can I just take his word for it? And more often than not, I was doing that. Oh, it, it was phenomenal. Um, and you know, he referenced uh, cricket a fair bit, which is absolutely fine by me. And, uh, yeah, on that note, uh, rest in peace, the king of spin, Shane Warne. We had a tragic passing earlier in the week of a cricketing icon while I'm on the, uh, while I'm on the topic. But, yeah, look, his comp wrap-ups were great. I think, ultimately, um, you know, riding for Stab would be a uh, – it's a task that has a lot of responsibility. Obviously, you guys have great relationships with a lot of brands and a lot of surfers. But at the same time, a good, honest comp review is – it's needed. Amazing. And so I think I, I, it is. It really is needed. And I think, I think uh, he towed a, a very fine line between, uh, between, you know, the truth and potentially fraying some relationships. And I thought he, <laughs> he danced it beautifully. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to read more of him. I, I hope he gets a, another start, maybe for J-Bay when it's the same time zone. Yeah, and if you didn't read them in the moment, they're good enough that you could read them retroactively and still get a kick out of them. So, uh, yeah, you can find those on stabmag.com, and they're free. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, no, well, well done, Billy. Five, five stars from mine. Um, but yeah, it was um, it, it was interesting to see though the the write ups, obviously the comp and how how it played out. It, you know, we spoke about it after sunset. Like the big names who are outside that sort of top half of their fields, they need to step up, and they did. Like you know, uh, all the men's quarters and. All the women's quarters, bar one rookie with Indy Robinson, and then obviously Gabriel Medina absent. It, it was a lot of familiar names, a lot of familiar faces, which uh, needed to happen, especially on the women's draw. There's some, there's some big characters outside that cut line. I, I mean, you seriously, like I'm going to read through the quarters right now because I, it's hard for me to think of replacing any one of these surfers with any other surfer on tour as like these are the the top of the top. So, for the men in the quarters. We had Kanoe Garashi, Griffin Colapinto, Jordy Smith, John Florence, Colohandino, Italo Ferreira, Felipe Toledo, and Connor Coffin. And for the women, like you said, there was the one outlier being India Robinson. Other than that, it was Steph Gilmore, Carissa Moore, Joanne DeFay, Tatiana Weston Webb, Lakey Peterson, Courtney Conlog, and Tyler Wright. I mean, you could, like, <laughs> you can't script this, right? Like, all of these people that were kind of like, not all of them, but a lot of these big names that were floundering in the first two events have just come back with a vengeance. And yeah, now the the scales are starting to even. As we say, the cream always rises. Um, but that being said, there's only two events left and a lot can still happen. So 
basically the way that the, the points work out right now, it's like nobody's really safe. Any group of people could make a big swing in the last two events and anybody could fall out the bottom. So it's interesting. I love it. No, it is really interesting. And you're coming into an event which I said it at the start of the year and it didn't didn't hold up at all, but I'm going to stick with it. And that's experience counts at Bells Beach. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that rolls uh, rolls into play. Obviously, that got blown out of the water at sunset with Brisa Hennessy and Baron Mamiya uh, having plenty of experience out there, but not, not you know, uh, veterans on the tour by any stretch, particularly not Baron. Uh, but Bells is a unique beast, and if you haven't spent time down there, it can definitely, um, you know, I think Matt Hoy said, no, Kooks have won Bells. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. All right, yeah, that's going to be coming up uh, in next month, so we will do a proper preview of that event when the time comes. But for now, Portugal, anything else you got? Anything that stood out to you? Any any moments that the mainstream missed that you want to pick apart? Um, a couple of things, actually. The, the the Pupo Brothers heat, I thought that was pretty cool. Warm and fuzzy. And then when Miggy had his next heat and broke a board, Sammy was the first one down there with, uh, with his backup board, you know, obviously cheering him on. So, I don't know, that kind of took me back to some other brother battles in the years. I don't think you would have ever seen CJ or Damien running boards down for one another at the height of their powers. So that, that was pretty cool. Um, and then... And speaking of... Sorry, just on that brother point as well, I want to give another shout-out to Kolohe Andino, who got beat by Griffin, who, again, like, you have to consider the full context of this. Like, not only are they from the same place, but, like, Griffin came up under Kolohe. You know what I mean? Like, Kolohe was, like, his mentor... And now, you know, I don't want to say it's like the, uh, yeah, the master and the apprentice and the, you know, the apprentice overtakes the master. I don't want to say that because they're both young enough to both do whatever they want to or need to do in surfing. But the fact that he was there chairing Griffin up after the win, given all that context, given the fact that he's never won a CT event, like that's got to be hard, right? But like Kolohe goes above that and realizes, you know, the importance of this moment for his really good friend on top of everything else and is there as a freaking awesome support pillar. So brother continually kind of shows how much he cares about the people around him, the people of his hometown and puts them maybe above what he's feeling inside, which is awesome. Oh, absolutely. That, that would have to have to um, have to hurt. You know, Kolo has made six finals and, and hasn't had the win yet, but no doubt it's um you know the, the true character of a man when you see him doing stuff like that so yeah that was uh that was awesome for sure so yeah th- that actually speaking of being brothers and whatnot we don't have Mikey Wright on tour anymore but one question that came up where I see it could be a problem I'll get to this eventually um not my best segue Mikey we had a few mess <laughs> we had a few messages where they were suggesting, why don't we overlap heats with the men and the women? Um, so yeah, getting getting onto the that that situation. What 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 would be your take on my that? initial take when I hear it is that's the fucking sickest idea ever. Like, should implement it yesterday. The only thing that I see as like why they might potentially not do it, like, is when you have men and women in separate times, right? you know, you're just comparing women to women and you're just comparing men to men. And I fear that if you had them in the water at the same time, like it would just be, it would be hard for the judges to keep two scales in mind the entire time. And it would be hard for a lay viewer to think like, oh, why did she get a six for 
a thing where she got a little barrel and came out and did a turn and he got a four for doing the same thing. So I, I think that it just obfuscates the sport because we, we understand that there's different scales and, you know, we don't even, yeah, whatever, we don't need to get into it. But the, that's the only thing that I see is it could be diminishing to the sport if people were to like then use that as like, a, oh, well, why is she getting that and he's getting that? Like, that's the only thing that I see as a problem. But from like an entertainment standpoint and from an equity standpoint in terms of getting the best conditions, like that's a no brainer. Right? Mm. Same. When I, when I heard the idea, I, I was thinking, you know, why not? Um, it, it, I can't think of many good reasons why not. But then I did see a heat where unfortunately Jake Marshall um, blew his shoulder out and Felipe was out there by himself. And I just thought to my, and he was getting through the heat, obviously. Uh, and I just thought to myself, oh, it's a little bit strange if, you know, a David Silver or someone else was in the next heat. Um, you know, that person in the priority heat can definitely, um, they can toy with the other heat. And you see it, you see it happen a little bit uh, already, but it's not, it's not very doable because you've still got to win the heat you're in. But I don't know, it, it opens up a bit of a thing there for me where I saw a potential for perhaps a bit of bit of gamesmanship, I guess you could call it. Oh, so you're saying like if Owen and Tyler were out in the water at the same time and say Tyler was in the non-priority heat, Owen was in the priority heat, and there was a wave coming to the person that Tyler was surfing against, he might just kind of give it a little paddle Maybe he's in second priority in his heat, but has priority over her, and he gives it a little paddle so she can't go on it. That sort of thing. Hundred percent. Yeah. And then there's obviously coaching from the water, which I am not against at all. I actually think that you're like, I'll grab my wedding right now. <laughs> oh, not necessarily that. I would hate to do that because you you would then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm on the other side of the rashy for a, a few reasons, <laughs> but. Um, I think that you could see, you could definitely see some, ultimately you're not allowed outside influences. They've just started using the Apple Watch or some tech at sunset, which I'm not too sure how that actually went. But yeah, I'm not against the idea of getting more information to the surfers, particularly from a strategic perspective. Like if you had Micro in Tyler's ear going, hey, you're sitting too wide, you, you know, get back on the peak or, or whatever. We're going to see more good surfing. So I'm not against that at all. But if there was two people in the water at once, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, um, or we haven't seen a husband wife combo yet, have we? Uh, but you know what I'm saying. It could get a little, could get a little funky. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of layers to all this. Um, I am curious about the Apple Watch thing. What happened there? Do you know? I have no idea how it went. Uh, I do know Sunset is a long way from any kind of transmitter um, that they would have had to send information back to and then back out to the surfers. Uh, I've used a Samsung watch out there before. I think it was 2016. And it was pretty horrible. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect the surface. You're lucky you still have your face. Yeah, exactly. My arm didn't melt off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got on a plane with one of those things once. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was like, oh, actually, um, I do have one of those phones on me. You can take it. I don't want it. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I was very embarrassed. Uh, but, yeah, look, um, I think that, um, yeah, more information to the surface, the better. Let them live. Okay, so uh, right now, Kanoa Igarashi is the number one surfer in the world for the men. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, time in that situation and having the experience is certainly going to help. And I definitely feel like his goal is to win a world title. Whereas I think, you know, if you look at someone like Matt Wilkinson, this is a tricky one for me because Wilco's super competitive, but I feel like 
different psyche perhaps and um you know wilco was definitely interested wilco never believed he was going to win a world title look I, I, you said it good on you uh and i'm not going to disagree i'm not <laughs> going to disagree with you but I, I know matt he's very competitive but he's probably more interested in winning events and all of a sudden winning events had him in a yellow jersey if, if that makes sense whereas kanoa he's interested in doing it all you can tell that from the outset so uh, I definitely think he is he is ready, and and some people, you know, the yellow jersey looks like a ton of bricks on him, uh, and other people, it, it looks like a helium balloon. So, I think Canal could be the helium balloon. I could be float. I think he could be floating off to a few more big results. I mean, Bell's suits. That's the problem. Is everything suits his surfing? He doesn't really have a weakness. He's also he doesn't have that electric over the top strength that maybe like a Gabby or a John or Felipe does, but he does not have like a weakness. Like he can get barreled. He can surf on the open face. He can do great airs. He has every single thing that you need. He's not the best in any one of those single categories, but you don't need to be. You need to be consistent to get through on this tour and get into that top five. And then on lowers, he needs to have a great day. And that's all it really comes down to. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, he is one of the best readers of the ocean that I've ever seen. Uh, and, I, and I I don't know if that plays into I give him a bit more credit because he's from Huntington, but whatever he's done and whatever he's studied and however he reads the ocean, I think a lot of a lot of people could learn from it. He's he's phenomenal. Like in an angry ocean, big stormy shit show of of a of a, of a playing field, he always seems to find clean green face and and he does not fall. So yeah, you're right. He's he's very consistent. And is that mostly from watching him in events, or are you being out in the water with him and kind of like really seeing it one on one? Nah, definitely watching it from the beach. Yep. Yeah, had a couple of uh, moments where you know he might be in a heat with the heat before I'm coaching, or or I'm just interested in watching his heats because I think he's pretty pretty good tactician. And I'll, I'll watch him move around, and I'm going. Margaret River, there, there wasn't a left there since Taj Burrow went left in 2012. You know, and he gets an eight or whether it's big, big open Sakurama and everyone's kind of sitting on the inside, but he goes out for his first wave like 10Ks out to sea and gets a roll in. You know, he's not afraid to roll the dice and when he does, it, he makes it pay off big time. I think that's a wrap on Portugal. Um, another great event. I didn't get to watch as much of it as I would have liked, but again, thank you, Billy Wilson, for, for providing all the insight that I needed. Um, and thank you, Stace, for helping me break this down uh this has been another issue or issue this has been another episode of the stab cusp over and out